hashtag Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned in to the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Hello, it's me, Timothy, and welcome to Tim and Friends. Sorry. For this March 29th, episode 16 of the big show, everybody, live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto, I'm Tim McAuliffe. Welcome to the show. Let me tell you, I am not sure where I'd be without the ridiculous amount of sports to distract from this whole global pandemic thing. I mean, let's break it down for you. March Madness, and I don't care what the NCAA says. I use that term for both men's and women's. And it has been typically mad. And it continues tonight. Don't forget, Raptors in action last night and tonight. Canadian men's soccer in the qualification stages. The Jays played their final spring training game today. Opened the season Thursday in New York. Leafs and Oilers was ridiculous on Saturday. They go again tonight. So do the Flames and Jets. I mean, I would be singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year if it wasn't for this. I guess I just did sing it. But if it wasn't for this whole global pandemic slash not sure when vaccines are coming slash the vaccine rollout is the worst rollout since, well... And I hate people who complain with no solutions, so if you're having problems with the vaccines being left over at the end of the day, don't have an end of the day! You know, if you gave me a time when I should show up and said, hey, you show up at 3 a.m., do you know what time I would show up at? 3 a.m.! All right, I digress. I was saying, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Madness is in full swing. Shout out my guy, Mick Cronin, UCLA. Aurora's Andrew Nemhard, unbeaten Gonzaga through. Keeping my bracket intact. Tip of the cap to a couple other Canadians coming up. End of the show. Jays and Phillies wrapped up their Great Fruit League schedule earlier today with a 13-7 come-from-behind Jays win. Highlights to come and a look ahead to the season with Ben Nicholson-Smith in the first hour of the show. Have the injuries changed your outlook on what lies in store for the Jays this season. I was going to say the Raptors this season, but I'm going to get to the Raptors. Has it changed your thought process on the Toronto Blue Jays? Now the Raptors. As if that weren't enough, Raptors have uh, kept some of it together at the deadline, but after last night, they're just 2-13 and 13 in their last 15 games. No, normally the Pistons are a chippy, and they get them again tonight on Sportsnet 1. But the Raptors are 0-2 against Dwayne Casey and company this season. Matt Devlin, fresh off of his 1,000th career game, will join us to discuss. I'm just rolling things through things because it's so amazing right now. Unless, of course, you're a Canadian soccer fan. More heartbreak last night as Canada's under-23s faced Mexico and Guadalajara in a win-and-you're-in-the-Olympics match. The good news, it was closer than Honduras for the Hex. The bad news is they still lost. 2-0. 
So no Olympics for the men. Thank God we have the women, although their heartbreak just seems to be at a different level. <clears throat> USA. <clears throat> I was going to swear, but I, I won't. Remember that call? Cost Canada a shot at gold. Never mind. Senior men have World Cup qualifying underway. They're scheduled to face the Cayman Islands yesterday. Had that game postponed till today. It's going to start in less than an hour. By the way, fans asking. The game is on One Soccer. That's why it's not on TSN or Sportsnet. One Soccer paid a lot of money for the rights to broadcast these games. And Sportsnet and TSN aren't going to put someone who outbid them on air on their stations. Maybe something can be worked out, but this is where we're at in 2021. Same with Canada basketball on Dazen or Dazone or whatever you want to call it. It's just where we are. Is it good for the game? Well, that's another conversation for another day. And finally, kids, Justin Bourne will drop by in the final hour ahead of the Leafs and Oilers nationally on Sportsnet tonight. Also, the Flames and Jets going to, uh, I think that's Sportsnet West regionally. Man, the skill on display Saturday night between Toronto and Edmonton. I mean, the McDavid no-look pass on the dry sidle goal was scrum trelescent. Then Leon does the same for Tyson Berry, who goes where the peanut butter is. Even Galchenyuk got in on the action. Hope we get more of that tonight. It was wonderful to watch. As for the Jets and the Flames, pretty clear what Daryl Sutter wants more of from his team. Will he continue to get it? Well, first things first. First things first. first. If you're just basing on his 500th game tonight, hopefully he has more energy than in his 499th game. That clip from Daryl Sutter Saturday drew quite a reaction from what in the good name of Hawk and Lube is he doing to it's about bloody time. Imagine in 2021 passing an up on a, passing up on an opportunity to compliment one of his stars on the verge of a career milestone and instead hitting him with a jab and asking for accountability. In 2021, that kind of comment gets you this meme. Now, Johnny Gaudreau took it in stride and responded with what Sutter called his best game under the new coach in a 4-2 win over the Jets. So maybe Sutter knew what he was doing. I grew up with the saying, the trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. But now I've come to realize I'm from another generation. I'm not saying it's good or bad, just different. But is the modern athlete willing to take the tough love? Sutter's success or failure will be determined by wins or losses. But if your players aren't buying in, it's hard to win. Just ask John Tortorella. So in an era of growing player empowerment across all professional sports, can old school guys like Sutter or Tortorella succeed? Listen, Tort's drew all kinds of praise last season after the Jackets beat the Leafs in the playoff bubble. But now Columbus is on the outside of the postseason pitcher after four straight losses, two of them to the lowly wings. And Tortorella was in vintage postgame form last night following a second straight loss to those wings. 
John, you uh, obviously have said the last two or three days that you know we're going to find out a lot about this team on this trip. What are you learning about this team thus far on this trip? Hedge, Hedge where do you want me to go with that? I mean, we played awful. Like I said last night, you, you guys can write your stuff. I'm not going to be part of your story. A ton went wrong. I'll give it. I'll give it to you that. But I'm not going to. So there's no sense to ask me those type of questions. All right. Tortorella has already driven one star out of town this season. Now Patrick Line, I don't know if you've been counting, eight games without a goal. Longest drought of his career. And one goal in his last 16 games. With Line set to become a restricted free agent, Columbus might have to make a choice. And as Calgary's playoff chances continue to fade, you'll have to think there'll be changes coming there too. But it's not going to be Sutter. He just signed a three-year deal when he was hired earlier this month. There had been rumblings before this weekend that the Flames might try to move Goudreau this summer, and Saturday's comment just added fuel to the fire. But would the Flames really trade their leading scorer and most marketable star? (laughs) There are a few in Calgary who seem to think the answer is yes. Even after their win, On Saturday, Post Media's Wes Gilbertson posed the question, or at least the headline, can Johnny Hockey and the Jolly Rancher coexist at the Saddle Dome? It's a conversation that extends to all pro sports, and I firmly believe in zigging when everyone else is zagging. But can old-school coaches exist in the modern-day professional sports ecosystem? Will we see more hires like Sutter? And say, like, Tony Larusa in Major League Baseball, are they just the last of the old school being recycled by unimaginative owners and front offices? And before you scream at your TV that the writing is already on the wall for torts in Columbus, guess what? He's already the betting favorite to become the next head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. I'm not kidding, which is a good thing, because I'm not sure I want to live in a world that is devoid of torts. I'm not going to answer any questions from you. You get that through your head? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's time to waste the time. Well, then get the f- out of here then. I am. Okay, see ya. Four goals and 16 shots. You need a damn occasional save when that happens. It's disrespectful and it's wrong. It's gutless. Copious of his two tattoos. That's just, that, that's ridiculous. Water may have been sprayed on John Tortorella. Something may have been thrown over the glass to the bench. Did you throw a water bottle, though? Ask me a question about the game, please. Torts came in and told us uh, they're starting those idiots over there, so we're going to match that and and go with it. Line brawl to start this game. Tortorella continues to berate Bob Hartley. He is furious. John Tortorella has gone over to the Calgary Flames hallway. Okay, he's got to calm down. Yep. That's going to be a major league fine, I tell you. I went in here in a pretty good mood today, too. So did I. Yeah. Well, so did I. that up, didn't you? I don't know what's right and wrong, but I do know a lot of the world wants accountability and that more and more people get their back up when they are held accountable. But I think it's possible to be good, to be fair, to be a reasonable coach and still be able to hold those around you accountable. But I also know that's as rare as a Mint Gretzky rookie card. First things first. First. Well, 
right, kids, that's first things first. Let's bring our digital producer and gentleman who has turned into my sounding board, Jesse Rubinoff, into the equation. Uh, you're a little younger than me, Jesse. That's how you started the show, like that? <laughs> <laughs> With a little look on this little thinking man. Look? There's a little thinking man there. Uh, just a lot less muscular. Uh, is this a generational thing? I think the balance of power over the last number of years has certainly shifted from the coaches to the players. Players are now brands. They're bigger stars than they ever have been. So when it comes to this dynamic, I don't think the coaches have the power that they once did. This, especially when you're looking at a sport like hockey or basketball. When you look at football, it's a little bit of a different story because they can just, you don't like what the coach is saying, you're cut and you're gone. They don't have to pay you anything, yeah, football, right? That's a little bit different. They still have the power. Yeah, Non-guaranteed contract. But in hockey and basketball, if the players don't want to listen to you, the coach is so much more replaceable than star players in these situations. It's so funny, though, like, when, you, when you're saying that about football, not only do the NCAA coaches hold all of the power mm-hmm. structure in football, but if you look at the players in the NFL, oftentimes the coaches, save for maybe a guy like Tom Brady, hold the power there, too. Yeah. And if you're going to go with something, and maybe this Brady-Belichick thing has been uh, a harbinger of things to come, but for me... The accountability in football is not just the coach, but the coach is because film yeah, is accountability. Part of it. And the team is accountability. And so it's I wonder if the coaches just use the techniques in football and other sports with like if you drilled down on film, would there be more accountability in say basketball? Or I mean baseball is a completely different thing because mm-hmm. you can just look at numbers. That's why I think the Tony LaRusses are done in baseball. Yeah. I think that ship has sailed. But I think when this when it comes to this specific situation with Sutter and Goudreau, I think maybe some of the beef that people had was that it was a, a public statement. And I think that's where Tortorella maybe gets his uh, – what puts his yeah, – uh, You don't think that Daryl Sutter didn't try – this is – this. I heard this argument, and I don't mean to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, no. I, I know it's rude to interrupt you. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but do you not think that Sutter probably tried another technique before he went to the media and dropped that line? You would hope so. You would hope so, right? Because maybe Johnny Goudreau doesn't respond to that. And obviously he played a good game there, but it could have gone south the other way. And then you're kind of in a lame duck situation where they just brought Sutter in. What I'm saying is that he tried a couple things with Goudreau. Mm -hmm. And and maybe I'm giving him too much credit. But maybe he tried a couple things with Goudreau behind the scenes that didn't work. And he's like, you know what? I'll blow you up on the media then. That's, that would be surprising to me, if only because he hasn't been there for very long. Yep. So how does he know if Johnny Goudreau is giving 100% after five, six games? It's very difficult to know, I would think, in that situation. Yes. But maybe we're getting to a point where these leagues have realized that you don't need the tough coaches to win anymore. You can win with players, play, quote-unquote, player coaches now. So what's the point of bringing in a disciplinarian if – the players aren't going to respond to that. I think I know what kind of uh, coach Jesse Rubinoff responds to. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So funny. I think you're onto something. I, I got along with all types of coaches in my life. Yeah. And I understand all types of coaches. And I, I fir- I've said this a thousand times on the show. Like, I firmly believe that sometimes the gem cannot be polished without friction. Mm-hmm. But that friction can come in many different ways. Like, a guy can smile at you and be very, very 
uh, gentle yeah. with making the very same thing evident to you that, say, Daryl Sutter did in front of the media, 100%. right? And sometimes even those guys who smile and say all the right things to your face will go do it behind your back, and I have less respect for that than I would Daryl Sutter. But we live in an age where people do not like mm -hmm. the face-to-face -face controversy, like, what the hell? What did I do? It's like, well, the guy was just holding him accountable. He wants to see more energy from one of his star players. Does he need to do it on his 500th career game? <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. But uh, he wants, that's what he wanted, right, was accountability for absolutely. a lack of energy. And we saw another example of that exact thing this morning when Alain Vigneault revealed to the media that Carter Hart is going to be scratched for the next two games, scratched both against the suspended. Sabres. What the hell is that like? Yeah, I mean, look at this. Quote, uh, he needs to work harder. He needs to work better. So that's basically exactly what Daryl Sutter did. It's the same tactic. It's publicly criticizing your player, trying to get more out of them. And this, in this situation, the Flyers need Carter Hart to be better or they're not going to go very far. They're probably what not going to. turn gonna, it's you know? been in Philadelphia. So. I would assume that something was done there before this came about. But to do it against Buffalo. Which I thought was the most interesting part because isn't that a prime opportunity for Carter Hart to sort of turn it around it, against the Sabres? It represents two things. An opportunity to turn around, but if you lose to the Sabres... You're done. Right? Does it not feel like... I mean, those numbers are not good. So, I mean, at that point, if you're struggling that badly, you got to pull out all the stops because the Flyers need Carter Hart to be better. Yeah. And if you look at the, like, the splits on those numbers too... Yeah. Like, he was decent to start the year. Mm -hmm. And then the wheels just fell off in Philadelphia. All right, if you have any thoughts on these schools of thought, old, I don't, is it old school versus new school? Yeah, I think it's old school versus new school because there just aren't that many old school coaches anymore. Daryl Sutter is definitely old school. When they hired him, that's what everybody was saying. They're bringing in an old school voice in Daryl Sutter. Mm -hmm. Like John Tortorella, an old school guy, demands the most out of his players. New school guys are the play. It's like the Mike Babcock, Sheldon Keefe situation. It's the exact same situation. Huh. We don't need to go there, though. Yeah, <laughs> opening. This is the worm. Yeah. Open the can. Here we go. Right, as we're about to wrap it up. No right, problem. Time for a break. <laughs> uh, still to come, Matty Devlin on the Raptors' rough weekend. Justin Bourne ahead of the Oilers and Leafs across the country on Sportsnet. And when we come back, we're talking baseball. Jays wrap up their spring training schedule. We are three days away from the real thing. We'll update the injury list and look ahead to the season with Ben Nicholson-Smith. I think I just spit. I don't know if anyone saw it, but I think I just spit. Seb, did we see it? Good. Radio didn't see it, I can tell you that much. Hey, kids, baseball next. Spring is here. Spring is here. It's Norman Powell will head out onto the court for the Portland Trail Blazers. And look at lining up on the wrong side. <laughs> like, here we go, okay. Pass it off, Reese. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Overtime in Indy! And we have got bonus basketball in this beautiful month. If refereeing is under scrutiny, look at the last 20 seconds of this period. Tatis is a monster, so nobody wants to see Dodgers no more. They want the Padres, LA's bitter. It's so bitter, I had to hop on Twitter. Cause Slim Diego's the next World Series win. Oh, 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 oh. 
Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show continues on Sportsnet ahead of the Leafs and Oilers coming up on TV, as well as the Raptors and Pistons on Sportsnet 1 and 5.9 of the Fan in Toronto. I'm Tim McAuliffe. My next guest is another of the multi-platformable stars of the Sportsnet roster. You can see him on TV, read him on sportsnet.ca, listen to him on the radio or his podcast at the letters alongside with his co-host in near polar opposite, Arden Zwelling. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Nicholson-Smith. Eddie, welcome to Tim and Friends. Thank you, thank you. How's it going? Very good. How are you? I'm good. Good to be talking some baseball here. It's nice to have actual baseball in front of us, too. A full season of games that matter. It feels so good. It feels like, and especially at this time, for some reason, the new beginnings because of what we've gone through over the last year. I feel like there's a monologue coming from Uncle Timmy on this new beginning of a baseball season. Hey, I... Before we get into the specifics of this season and who's making this team, who didn't make this team, did you hear our debate about the old school versus the new school, which is, I'm not sure the correct way to frame it, but we're going to go there too, whether or not we need to frame it this way. I think it's just ways to hold people accountable. Like, what do you think? Do you think that the old school hard asses like, say, Earl Weaver or Casey Stengel are gone? Or is Tony La Russa bringing it back like short shorts here? I guess Tony La Russa is bringing it back a little bit. You know, I do think, Tim, when you're looking at at the power dynamics in these sports, that sometimes it comes down to how much power does a manager actually have? And I think in today's right. game, there's just not that much power. There are some exceptions. I mean, I think of Joe Madden or Mike Sosha recently, guys who have had a lot of power, but a lot of the time, they don't really actually have that decision-making power to necessarily be that disciplinarian. And don't you think, I mean, you're, you're referencing this, I'm pretty sure, but front offices have taken a lot of that power away from managers because of the collaboration that we're having now. A hundred percent. I mean, can, can we really even name who was the Orioles GM? And I should know this when Earl Weaver was the manager. I mean, it's not a household name in the same way. Who was the Yankees GM when Casey Stengel was the manager? We just don't know those names in quite the same way. And so I think that that speaks to, I mean, now we all are focused on Theo Epstein or Alex Anthopoulos or Ross Atkins. Like those guys are front and center. Right. I think I just think baseball might be a little different than other sports because the numbers make a lot of sense, right? Like when you lay the numbers, like if there was any sport that actually um, the focus on analytics was justified, baseball would be it. So if you're a manager and you're not collaborating with your front office, you're just behind the times. A hundred percent. And I mean, I think if you're building an organization, you probably want the GM to have more power. I mean, they can oversee a lot more things. They make decisions that have years long impact. I mean, really to have the manager is that all seeing, all knowing decision maker. I don't know if that really fits. I know in football, it's a little different because Belichick's involved with the draft. He's making personnel decisions in a way that, you know, Alex Cora isn't. Yeah. You cut a guy and the guy's lost his paycheck. Right. Like it's, it's a big not difference. A, not a guaranteed contract. Uh, all right, Benny, let me get to the highlights of today because there was some significant stuff that happened earlier today in the final spring training game for both the Jays and the Phillies. TJ Zoik reportedly told he made the opening day roster prior to Monday's start. Is that an excuse? Well, he did give up five earned runs and nine hits in just three innings of work. He would leave trailing the game five to one. Now, Eventually, the bats would pick him up, and it started with Rowdy Telez. 
This his first big fly of the spring, a no-doubter in the fourth, cut the lead to 5-2. Then in the seventh, my goodness, Santiago Espinal. Maybe he should have made the team. Started it off with a three-run shot that tied things at seven. It was the same inning. Espinal would come back up with the bases juiced, and he would come through again. He had five RBIs in one inning as the Jays put up nine to win their final spring game 13-7. to So that's it for the Jays in spring training. We now look ahead to the season opener on Thursday, Ben. And, of course, the theme of the spring hasn't exactly been good news. It's been injuries. Yes, we know Kirby Yates is out for the season after undergoing Tommy John surgery. We found out yesterday Robbie Ray will will miss at least one regular season start with a bruised left elbow. Nate Pearson is still throwing just long toss, so his return from a groin issue is up in the air. Thomas Hatch, elbow inflammation, no timeline. Anthony Kay, I think this is okay. He said he would be fine. Rafael Dolis has some back spasms, also good to go. But George Springer, in all likelihood, won't start the season on the roster. Jays want to be extra cautious with their prized free agent signing. Charlie Montoyo said post-game today, Springer had a follow-up MRI in his oblique strain today, and the Jays are awaiting those results. Ben, Jays fans were more excited than I was at my first grade nine dance. Has that all changed, though, with the injuries that we have seen throughout spring? I still think there should be a ton of excitement. There's no question. I mean, this team is insanely deep when it comes to its offense and the fact that they're taking Alejandro Kirk helps on that front Springer shouldn't be long-term so this offense should be able to out hit a lot of problems but I still think those problems exist and when you look at the the roster right now compared to where it was at the beginning of spring training you see it right there Kirby Yates Robbie Ray Nate Pearson these are not just some extra pitchers at the back of the roster these are really important pitchers to this team and to have Yates sidelined and those other arms that's that's pretty tough and that is going to test their depth all right so let's talk about which and listen Yates being gone for the season is the answer to this question, so we'll take him out of the equation. Which injury is the most concerning to you as you look through what you've seen in the spring? I think it's Pearson because he's someone who I think has the most potential to just change the outlook of this pitching staff, change the outlook of this team. If he's at his best, he could be an ace, and those guys are hard to come by. They're hard to find in free agency. Even when they do pop up in free agency, you have to persuade them to sign with you. So Pearson is the one guy who has the chance to just change how this team looks in a playoff series, how this team looks in an opening series. I mean, right now, we're talking about TJ Zoic potentially starting against the Yankees in the Bronx. And that's probably better news for DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Judge than it is for Blue Jays fans. So I think Pearson, and you look at his upside, his potential, that's the injury that I think costs this team the most. BNS sounds like a boy band, but it is Ben Nicholson-Smith who joins us here on Tim and Friends. Um, do Listen, I, I've heard this a couple different times, and I ask this with the, with the greatest deal of respect, but do the Jays, given the injuries over the last two seasons now to Nate Pearson, need to rethink how they handle him? Like, are we at that stage yet, or is this just, okay, had one last year, have one this year, easy? 
I don't think they're at the rethinking it stage because even if, you know, and it's frustrating, there's no question right. about that. When you think about the elbow issue last year, right now it's dealing with the groin. So a couple different injuries. And of course, a couple of years ago, we took a line drive off the elbow. They don't necessarily appear to be connected. So it's not like it's the same body part right. that's getting hit over and over. So that's, I guess, if you want to look for a silver lining, that would be it. And really, he's too young and he has just too much He's too good. His pitches are too good. His stuff is too good to think about using him in a shortened stint because this is someone who, I mean, let's set aside 200 innings because that's not happening maybe ever for Pearson in his career. But if you can get 150 to 170 from him, that's incredible. And you have to be shooting for that. All right, let's get to the good stories. I feel like I'm harping on the negative with all the injuries. Uh, Alejandro Kirk and his promotion last year was treated like the Jays got a new brand brand new puppy that they could play with. He was adorable. He was cute. He actually hit, and it wasn't going to happen this year. At least in my mind, it was going to be very tough. The guy hadn't played past high A ball, and yet, lo and behold, he's like, I felt like this was the puppy they were giving back to the breeders, but he's here to stay, it looks like. Yeah, and it's, in my opinion, this is a great move by the Blue Jays because they could have played it the other way. They could have said, all right, we're going to go with Reese McGuire and preserve this depth. But instead, Kirk is on the team, and I think he's on this team to play. Like, I think we're going to see him in the lineup a couple times a week as the catcher. Of course, Danny Jansen will need some rest. And I think he can DH too. I mean, you look at just his track record. He has hit at every level. And it's almost like you start looking at the results Wherever he goes, spring training, last year in the majors, he got a hit in his one playoff game. He hit in the minor leagues. Like, this guy cannot be stopped, or at least has not been stopped. And I'm sure he'll go through slumps, and that's part of being a major league player. But you look at the projections, you look at the eye test, there are just so many reasons to believe that Alejandro Kirk can not only hold his own, but actually be a really good major league hitter. Okay, so he's a hitter, but he's also a catcher. So where where does he fit in when and that's where a lot of like the old school baseball guys are like you need the seasoning in the minors you need to go through double A AA and triple A so you can learn to pitch frame so you can learn to handle your staff and understand everyone who comes into a game where is he on that aspect of the game it's developing, but you know, it's funny, even looking at those clips that we just rolled there, you can see he's in better shape now than he was when he debuted yeah. last year. So that'll help him like that. That will help, especially as you know, we're looking at a six month season. That's going to be an adjustment for a lot of guys, not just Kirk, but I mean, across the board to get back to that six months. So being in good shape is one good step for Kirk. And then beyond that, He's had the chance to work really closely with some of these guys. So Robbie Ray, I think he's going to be borderline a personal catcher for Robbie Ray and then catch your day games after night games. So he's not going to be a finished product. We'll see how the catch and throw part goes. His blocking has been hit and miss so far this year. But by all accounts, he can at least hold, hold his own. All right, I want to get into the next decisions that need to be made uh, when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays. And I don't know if Jonathan Davis is a decision, if it was a decision made by George Springer uh, and his oblique. Either way, kind of a nice story. I think it's a great story. Yeah, to have Jonathan Davis, who you know really wasn't sure if he was going to be making that team, clearly going into spring training on the outside looking in. I mean, you look at the outfield that this team has adding Springer to that he was at best a borderline 
uh, a long shot to make this ball club. But he did that with his speed, with his bat. He, of course, brings really good defense in the outfield. So that's a great combination to have. And for someone who has spent a lot of time in the minor leagues over the years, hasn't really got an extended chance in the majors and probably won't get one right now because he will likely be a bench player. But it's a great story. And he does bring a skill set that the Jays need. All right. So as the season starts, who do you see as an X factor on this team? Like, who do you see as if this guy can do his job a little bit better than most people expect, it could make a real difference? I think, I mean, Pearson and Kirk, a couple guys we've talked about for sure, but then they need pitching somehow. They need someone to step up. So Matt's stripling, uh, you know, I'm not sure that Roark is going to be that guy based on what we saw last year. But when Ray comes back for him to step up, they need one of those guys to to show that they can hold their own. And, you know, I'm not talking about any sort of an all-star season here, Tim. Like I'm talking like basically have a four ERA and if one of those guys, one of those starters can have a four ERA, you know, I think that the Jays would have to be pretty thrilled with that. Right. Like if Tanner Roark throws up a four and gives you five innings of work every time he goes up, they will take that and run to the bank. They would be thrilled. <laughs> they <laughs> yes. would be so happy. Well, I'm thrilled that you have stuck around with me. Will you stick around with me for one more segment? Of course, I'm here. Uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith, one more segment. We'll see what that rotation looks like. Uh, We'll talk about the rest of the American League East. It is opening week, warm weather, baseball. Good times are ahead, I hope. Tim and Friends, next. Tim McAllifan, friends of the show, includes Ben Nicholson-Smith for at least one more segment. Uh, Benny, let's not waste any time here. I, I We kind of circled around the injuries. And earlier today on Twitter, the at Tim and Friends account uh, asked the uh, the friends, do you still think that the Jays are legit contenders in the East if you thought they were before, after the injuries of the spring? Does, has your outlook changed at all on their ability to compete in the East based on some of these injuries? I think it has to change a bit, you yeah. know, if we're being honest about it and looking at a guy like Kirby Yates, uh, who had so much potential, looking at Robbie Ray, who will start on the injured list, even George Springer, I mean, looks to be short term, but still, he's not starting with the team. So I think you have to take that into account and you have to say this team looks a bit worse. I mean, they they definitely took some steps back in those respects at the same time. We saw some guys take steps forward too. So whether that's Jonathan Davis or Tim Meza coming out of the bullpen or Steven Matz looking really sharp, they did have some positives as well. And I mean, Charlie Montoyo, when I asked him about this just an hour ago, he was saying that it was a great spring from his standpoint. So he loves where the team yeah, is at. He's po- hold on. He's, uh, he's <laughs> Mr. Positivity. Like you could just, you could smack Charlie in the face and he'd go, well, it wasn't a bad smack. I'll tell you that much. I think you're right. And so we shouldn't be surprised. (laughs) We shouldn't be surprised. But I think, you know, when you're looking at this team and where it is now, it's still good. It's still a good baseball team. They are still going to hit a ton of home runs. They are still going to score a ton of runs. And so even though Charlie might be, you know, a little more optimistic than than most on this one, I still think it's fair to say they're a contender. And let me be honest. I would never smack Charlie Montoyo or any other human being in the face now that I'm old and can't back it up anymore. Um, So Steven Matz, his name's been brought up a couple different times. He's the second starter right now. And listen, if if he hits, there's a high end there that we have seen 
And if he doesn't, then he becomes part of what the Jays are trying to do. But it looks like he's the second starter while Robbie Ray's not there, right? Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. I mean, I don't know who it's going to be in game two, but yeah, as York, far as, yeah. Ex- yeah, you know, experience, pedigree, I think Matt's is in that discussion. And I don't know where you'd land on this, Tim. Like, I'd be curious to hear, but to me, he's probably a guy who's ERA at the end of the year. Like, again, we're probably talking like a 4-7. I think that's probably a fair range for Steven Matz. Yeah, I just, I you know, the it's almost like Robbie Ray and what he did in Toronto after coming over from uh, Arizona at the deadline has like put this false hope into me that they can um, revive any arm that comes. But you're probably right. Like if you get Stephen Matz for what you got Stephen Matz for, if he ended up with a 470 ERA at the end of the year, you'd take it and you'd run with that too. I think so, for sure. And as much as, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like you said, attention on these pitchers who have come to Toronto. Taiwan Walker's another. And he had a great finish, and that's awesome. I mean, you want to see that, but at the same time, it's not going to happen every single time. No, you can't expect it. That's that's the part when you get in trouble is when you're starting to expect that they're able to revive whatever was there before uh, when it's just too much to ask. I know Ross Atkins talked about going out on the market. Are you hearing anything? Like, is there much out there? Like... It's tough to do this time of year. Like I'm thinking back to Kimbrel when he went over to the Padres, I want to say six, seven years ago. Um, So you can do it. And the the Jays too. I mean, they acquired Daniel Hudson. This is a couple of years ago, the year that he got the final out of the World Series for the Nationals. They picked him up late in spring, but at the time it was a minor move. So I think that's what we're looking at here. Like if anything, I think it will be a small move. And I mean, the, the Jays are about to fly to New York. And they're going to have to tell guys you're on the plane or you're not. So I do think, too, at a certain point, they just stick with what they have internally. What's the biggest decision before they get on that plane? I think it's if Springer is is healthy. I think if it's whether he's he's playing or not. And at this point, I think he's more likely to start on the injured list. Are the Yankees the favorites in your mind? And... Are you as wary as I of the ones who are writing off the Rays, even though I know they're not as good as they were last year? And even the Red Sox. I mean, this division yeah. is is always just, it's so good. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Rays are better than they get credit for, even after losing, losing Snell and, of course, Charlie Morton. I mean, those are big losses, yeah. but they always find a way. But I totally agree that the Yankees are the best. I mean, I have, I have the Yankees going to the World Series and winning the World Series. I think they're that good. Like this this team is, again, you, you talk about stacked offenses and the Jays have one, but the Yankees offense, I mean, that is that is not an easy task for any pitcher to face. Who do you have them playing in the World Series? Dodgers. Ah, all right. I mean, it's hard. I mean, you just look at the run. I always like, the yeah, the Padres had a really good offseason and then you just look at the Dodgers roster and go, yeah, it's still not that good. Yeah, my, my picks tend to be pretty boring. Like, I have Mike Trout winning MVP, Jacob DeGrom winning Cy Young, but it, those guys are just so good. It's like, how do you choose smart. against them? Yeah, yeah. I, like Mike Trout, you just pencil that in every year and you're not going to look stupid because he's going to be in the top five, at least probably the top three and probably win it. So you're good. Exactly. You're good. Um, listen, I just got news, and uh, this may or may not um, excite some Jays fans, but Rugnet Odur has been cut 
by the Texas Rangers. He will not be heading to the big league uh, season with the Rangers. The Jays go in there early. I know I asked you over uh, before we started this over your right shoulder is uh, the bat flip game score sheet. What, what do you make of Rugnet Odor, a massive part of bat, bat flip game for so many reasons on so many levels, no longer a part of the Rangers? Well, he was he was the perfect villain, right, for for the Blue Jays, much in the way that Batista was probably the perfect villain for Rangers fans. But I, I think Odor probably took it to another level by punching, uh, as you said, another human being in the face. I mean, on the field, that's yeah, that's definitely next level. And and he was never the player Batista was too. I mean, Jose Batista just and setting aside obviously a lot of Blue Jays fans watching this now, but objectively speaking, Batista was a great player, and Odor never compared. I still can't get over the shot. Like, is, I mean, Jose was saved from that, right? Like, Jose was kind of out a little bit on his feet. Like, he didn't go down. All credit. He took a shot to the jaw and did not go down. But I think there was a, a fellow Dominican who saved him a little bit by grabbing him and holding him. No doubt. I mean, tensions got pretty high pretty quick right there. Beltre got in there. Um, but you talk to anyone who was in that in that scrum in the course of those few seconds afterwards, they got some stories to, to tell about yeah. stuff that even wasn't caught on camera. Can you say, can you tell us any of those? <laughs> I, that, is, that to me is the juiciest bleep out there. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, let's just say there were some very, uh, some heated reactions if you were to ask people about that one in the in the weeks or even years after that occurred. Let me let me ask you this, and Jesse, you can jump in on this. The percentage of men who would have folded like a cheap suit after taking that shot to the jaw, like what's the percentage at that go down to their knees or fall after taking a shot on the jaw? 95. Like it's 99. It's got to be so high. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's super high. He would have killed me. I, I done. That's it. But he's got a chin like Stipe Miocic. Batista. <laughs> <laughs> that is that. I I still can't believe that he did not go down. Every time I see that shot, my eyes just pop like straight to the jaw. A hundred percent. And that's a that's like his right hand. That's his throwing arm. This is a guy who <laughs> yeah. like this is not someone who's just sitting around idly typing at a keyboard like me. Like this is someone who's like he he knew yeah. what he was doing there. Right. He didn't listen to Crash Davis though. You don't never punch with your throwing hand, although he's not a pitcher, so whatever. Uh Benny, this is fun. I always like catching up with you and talking baseball with you, especially as we hit this kind of new beginning spring. Uh can't wait for real baseball to start. Thank you for doing this. Thanks, Tim. Anytime. Looking forward to the season. Uh, there is Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet fame. I, I, I just, it's still... Have you ever taken a shot like that in your life? No. I don't think many people have. Yeah, <laughs> a shot like that? No. Like a clear Maybe a shot. bar I mean, fight? No, not Anyone me, no. with brothers back in the day, like I had three older brothers, and I probably took at least five of those shots. And I'm not saying they were the same level as Rugnet Odor, but I've definitely had shots landed square on my jaw. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> no. Once got jumped by bikers, too. That's another story for another day. Really? Uh, what, yeah. What are, and it was a cheap shot, too. Like, imagine getting jumped by bikers, and it was a cheap shot. I'm going to need to hear a lot more about this I didn't story, go down, the biker no. story. I didn't go down either. So Landed you and shot Jose right, 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 right under the eye. <laughs> Tap on the shoulder, turn, boom. 
and I didn't go down. It's incredibly impressive. S- scared. Superman um, Tim. So let me ask you. That's yeah. not that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is if you see bikers that are run mad, the other way. run. Get out of there. Don't go anywhere near them. Um, we asked the Tim and Citizens. I guess they're not Tim and Citizens anymore. They're just friends. We asked the friends um, about where the Jays are lined up in the East. Were they any different than Ben Nicholson Smith? Yeah, uh, they were. I think Ben was pretty positive when it came to where the Jays were going to finish. And there were some positives. There were some negatives. Why don't we check out a couple of the responses? So we sent this out about an hour ago. uh, And Julio says if they stay relatively healthy... (laughs) And same but, with eh, the other teams. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Yeah, you're already... You're done. Uh, yeah. This tweet was from today, not from a week ago. <laughs> uh, also shows how lucky the rotation in 2015 was, needing so few to get through the year. You Everyone is going to have that. Yeah, you need Every, a little and bit And I of think luck. that... Here's the deal. Oh, we only got 30 seconds left. Go through them. That's, okay. Uh, Lori says, it's early, Tim. We never know what can happen. Matt says, not until the starting pitching outside of Ryu can show they're able to handle the tough AL East lineups. Yep. I love no, the their starting pitching isn't anywhere close to being good enough to compete for a title. That is harsh from Chaz. Yeah. And Rob says, absolutely. I love the heart and soul of the team. Let's see how things go in the first couple of months. The season is long. Let's go, boys. And that is the positivity we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to go through this. All right. Just know that everyone is going to go through this this year with the starting rotation. I guarantee you're going to see a lot of pitches that you've never seen before. After the break, our focus turns to the ice. After a comeback win on Saturday night, the Leafs host the Oilers again. This time, Michael Hutchison between the pipes. We'll head to the rink and be joined by Justin Bourne. Next on Tim and Sid. Ah, Tim and Friends. Darn it. Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Feels like pressure. Real sports talk. Thank you, Sheepdogs. Back here for hour number two on Tim and Friends. I'm saying it way too much. I apologize. I will not say Tim and Sid again. And if I do, blank will happen. Jesse will put that out on the poll. <laughs> Ten bucks? <laughs> feel like it's got to be more to make me stop. Still to come, Matt Devlin on the Raptors' struggles. But first, we're talking hockey, kids. Oilers and Leafs coming up across the country, starting with Hockey Central, excuse me, at 6.30 Eastern, 4.30 Mountain. Sportsnet East and Ontario get the Leafs broadcast, while West and Pacific get the Oilers broadcast. Got it good and since you understood. Michael Hutchison will start in net for the Leafs, giving Jack Campbell a wee bit of a break while the Oilers start Mike Smith once again and get Kyle Turris back in the lineup. He will go in on the second line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Kyler Yamamoto. It's also next-gen night in Toronto where you'll see plenty of young talent littered throughout the broadcast, including Abigail Dove, who is standing by alongside Christine Simpson. Chris, Abigail, thank you so much for doing this with us. Thank you for having it's us. our pleasure. Yeah. We're so glad to be working together again. This is nice to be reunited. <laughs> So it's two years in a row, or was it two years ago that you guys first worked together? Because it feels like I've seen this dynamic duo in action. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we have. Yeah, it was actually, what, January of 2019 was the first next-gen game that we worked together against the Minnesota Wild. And, I mean, for you, I know you had done great work with SI Kids and you had had, you know, a, a lot of work in the sports world, but your first live broadcast of a hockey game, what do you remember about that now that you're a seasoned veteran? But that was your, your rookie maiden voyage. Well, I think it was pretty crazy. I think you don't really realize how much work goes into it until you're actually in the middle yeah. of it and you're working on it. But I think it was amazing. I can only think of positive things from that game. And now here we are again, third yeah. time. Third time. So much more experience now. It's going to be really great. Third time's a charm. That's what we've <laughs> already decided. You know, Abigail's been already such a great help for us. She's sort of been a sounding board for us with ideas. I think, uh, what did you say? What you don't want to be is cringy. So, you know, <laughs> We were, we were definitely having her give give some some ideas on, okay, this is the music that we should be working on, that kind of thing. So, yeah, she's been a good demographic for us to be able to uh, figure out what the next gen is all about. So it should be fun. Uh, honest, honest from Uncle Timmy over here. Um, my daughter's friend always yells on FaceTime when they're talking, your dad is so cringy. So I will avoid any cringy questions and just ask you, What's the best part of the gig, Abigail? Like, what's the best part of being in the arena? For someone who's never done it, who's never been around it, what's your favorite part? Yeah, well, I mean, being able to work with Christine Simpson, who is someone I've idolized since I'm uh, little, is obviously amazing. And I think just the whole experience overall is quite amazing because I obviously never thought I would get this opportunity at the age of 13, 14, and 15, so I really appreciate every minute of it. Right. Well, it's so sweet, and I just want to say, though, too, I am so glad that there are opportunities like this for young girls to do. I mean, Next Gen, good on the Maple Leafs for having these nights because it does give a young girl an opportunity to really get her feet wet and, and decide if this is something she wants to do. And Abigail can do anything she wants. She's so good at this. That's awesome. Thank you both for joining us here on Tim and Friends, and uh, have fun tonight. Thanks a lot, Thank Tim. Thank you. There is uh, Abigail and Chris from the Leafs and the Oilers. Uh, Jets and Flames meet again tonight. See it at 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain in the Sportsnet West region. The Flames got a much-needed win on Saturday night in Johnny Goudreau's 500th career game, if you didn't know. Uh, tonight's Flames 50-50 draw benefits the Snowy Strong campaign in support of ALS research. So if you're in Alberta, make sure you grab your tickets at calgaryflames.com. We all know how those move in Western Canada. So make sure you buy early and you buy often. The Senators made a trade today, sending defenseman Christian Wolanin to the Kings for for Mike Amadio. Wolanin had three assists in 15 games with the Sens so far this season. Amadio had two assists in 20 games for the Kings this year. All right, we continue the hockey talk with one of the more thoughtful broadcasters in the game. He studies, he's got binders, and he loves the little things in the game. A man after my own heart. It's Justin Bourne. Justin Bourne, welcome back to the show. And that binder. It's intense. The binder is big. You know what's crazy is I uh, I was like I want to look like David Amber and I went and I like, got a custom binder and and they're not they're not cheap and now I'm embarrassed that I've done it. I never <laughs> no, use it. I I definitely will be if I worked on one sport 
Mm-hmm. I would do the binder thing. It's great in theory, but like you have to update it. Like you know, I, I need yes. new cap friendly every day. I need right. new, and I don't do that. It's so a lot of paper it's too. Yeah, really a prop at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good prop, though. You fooled me. I'm in. Um, before we break things down, as we are wont to do, can we just take a moment? And I don't want to if, if express gratitude in the skill that we saw. On Saturday night between, like, is this juvenile to have the conversation about holy bleep that was really fun to watch Saturday night, Leafs and Oilers? I would say it's actually very mature. We don't do it enough. (laughs) No, we don't. Like, genuinely, you get so blinded by the talent of these guys. You're like, yeah, it's normal. Like, watch some guy kick the puck up to his stick and just, I don't know, make fun of them for not finishing or whatever. Truly, it was an incredible game. Um, There was a point where I was recently retired where I was like, ah, I could have done that or that looked manageable. Like, at no point during that (laughs) game did that feel within my grasp. The Connor McDavid no look that we're showing on TV to Leon Dreisaitl one-time bulging the twine. Um, The precision of the pass to allow Dreisaitl to one-time on the no look is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I think you can see here, he looks before the blue line. Like yeah. He has some sense, but it's like, I don't know, 25 feet till he makes the pass. And then it's in a one-foot perfect wheelhouse. I will say, though, also, most players don't hit that puck. Like dry saddle, you catch yeah. that at the top of the circles. Uh, you got the other guy turned around. You probably catch this pass, skate in a few strides, get your head up. <laughs> nah, just smash yeah. it off the twine. Yeah, Uncle Timmy probably bobbles it. It pops oh, yeah. up. You have to settle Throw it down. Someone just yeah drills me before I even get the <laughs> shot off. Yeah. Uh, it is. It was ridiculous. The dry saddle between the legs was just. I mean, I'll yeah. put Gilchenyuk. Galchenyuk's yeah. pass was really nice too. Yeah. No, so, he's he's looking comfortable. Uh, let's not get too excited about him. But no. <laughs> it was a nice, it was a nice skilled pass. And I'll just say this, and I want to express that gratitude moving forward. I don't care if it looks mm-hmm. juvenile. I don't care if it looks great. I think we need to do that more often because I was I was in awe watching that game. Yeah. And the McDavid, like I noticed the look before on the initial play. Yeah. And I didn't realize until we got that corner angle where you could see him coming down. And the best is you said 25 feet later, which for McDavid is like half a second. Yeah. Like two tenths yeah, of a second. Yeah, he's starting the pass at the blue line. It just comes 25 feet later. <laughs> right, right. Um, does Michael Hutchison in goal tonight change how you, how you viewed this game? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, the gambling books we we talked about last time yeah. was on the show. Immediately, we're like, oh no, no, no! Like they changed the odds as soon as they saw it was Hutchinson. I, I feel bad for the guy at this point, but I mean, he's just probably not an NHL starter. At some point, you have to be realistic and say that he's not there. It's a tough spot for the Leafs. You don't have someone better, so yeah, you just got to play better defense. Is it? Can you do that? Just just play better defense. Well, I think the Leafs have tried to many a times. Yeah. You look at the numbers, and I will say this: I think there are two two Leafs who have had shutouts this year. Uh, one of them is Jack Campbell, and the other one is Michael Hutchison. Yeah. So the save percentage—it looks great. He's been—he's he, done everything they've asked of him, particularly coming off his poor performance the year before, where a lot of people would have been—I I don't want to say embarrassed, but would not have been able to hold their head up high after the performance last year for the Leafs. So he's—he's he's come back. He's done his job. You just don't want to lean on him too heavy. Six starts for Hutchinson this year. That—that that was not the plan. Does it feel like—and this happens? I don't know how often it happens. Maybe people in our job big it up more than it really needs to be, but. Are there just teams that have other teams' numbers? Like, do the yeah. Leafs just match up really well 
with the Oilers, yeah. and that's what we've seen. What's crazy too is like the Oilers kill the Senators. They're yeah. I think they they're seven and zero against the Sens this year, and the Leafs have a tough time dealing with the Senators. The Sens are a team like Montreal that they all pack it into the front of the net, and they basically say if you want to beat us, you know, from distance, go ahead, but you got to get into the middle. The Oilers are the perfect matchup for the Leafs because they'll trade chances with you. The right. defense aren't that great. The goaltenders aren't that great, and the Leafs are one of the few teams that can hang in the elite talent department. Of course, maybe not at the top end with a couple of heart winners, but uh, you know their top four guys can can hang with Edmonton for sure. Uh, I know that uh, more than a few folks, and listen, we're in the business of selling games, so I don't want to pump this up too much, but uh, they've said this is a really big series between the Oilers and Leafs, and I I get it, it's the top of the North Division, but in a pandemic with no fans, and maybe a few come playoffs, is it really that big? Like, the Leafs are 10-4-1 on the road this season, Mm -hmm. and they are 12-6-1 at home. The Oilers are around the same. If you look at the entire North, the road numbers are the best that they have been in the last five seasons. Right. Is home ice that important in the postseason? Probably not, and not even sure where it's going to be throughout the whole postseason. But in the early going there, I was thinking about this. Like, if you're the Leafs, Mm -hmm. how much does jockeying for a playoff spot matter right now? Like, how much do you want Montreal over Edmonton? A- right. At all? Is there any part of you that, I mean, Winnipeg, Edmonton, it, really, it's kind of a wash for me. I think you probably mass- match up better versus the Oilers. And now that's not to say that you try to tailor your first round matchup, lose a game here and there on purpose, but it does give you the freedom to rest Jack Campbell when maybe he could go and put in Hutchison because it's not the end of the world. Maybe it gives you the freedom to sit out Matthews towards the end and rest his wrist or let the old guys have some rest. I think the fact that the seating does not matter much this year probably gives them more flexibility. Do do you, I'm, I'm of the opinion that you try and play the same way to end your season as you're going to start the postseason, and whatever way that looks for you, you have to push towards that. Yep. Because if you start messing around, I mean, a game off here or there, I'm all for, especially guys who are banged up. But if you try and alter what you're doing, either take the foot off the gas because you're up that far, like I don't think that sets you up for playoff. No. No, that's a really good point. And that's that's an interesting uh, discussion for Keith and Dubas to have and say, okay, let's say we want to go with our playoff lineup the last couple games of the season, make sure we found our footing here. When does the rest come? You know, is it too early to be doing that right now? I mean, maybe that's what's happening with Campbell a little bit here. I'm sure if this is a playoff game, Campbell can go. Right. So, I don't know. It's possible that they're already kind of looking at the big picture. Uh, maybe that's uh, giving them too much credit, but it's possible. The weekend was the first time that Jack Campbell had allowed this year over two goals. Yeah. If you started now and Freddie was healthy, who would be your starting goalie? It's Freddie for me. I, am yeah. I crazy? But, like, does... Campbell looks small. I know his numbers have been good. Everyone's going to be mad at me for being, I'm Team Freddy still. Like, right. Campbell, he, he's been very good. He's given them a nice run. They've played well in front of him. But I, I just don't think going into a series, you can have your six foot four hulking Danish guy who's got an NHL track record sitting on the bench while the guy who's got 70 NHL games, by the way, this hits him in the hip, this shot by McDavid. I know those on radio can't see that. But, like, I don't know. That hits Freddie in the peck. <laughs> just feel like there's, less, there's just right. less goaltender there for, right. for Jack. So I don't, I don't trust it as much for a, a plan to win the cup. I know people keep telling me to live in the now, but I think yeah. there are a lot of Leaf fans and maybe even the management who are living a little bit in the past and may lean towards Campbell. All right. Would you stick around?
Absolutely. All right, we will continue our hockey conversation. We'll keep the pregame to the pregame going next before sending it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Oilers and Leafs coming up across the country. And for us, more hockey next. Tim and friends, the streak is going. Welcome back. Counting down to puck drop in Toronto. A couple days after the Oilers blew the two-goal third-period lead. Edmonton looking for some redemption tonight. You can watch the game right here on Sportsnet 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain. No regional restrictions for this one. It'll be the ninth meeting between the two teams this season with the Leafs dominating the matchup going 6-1-1. But Oilers defenseman Darnell Nurse seems unconcerned with the record. You know, how, how important is it, I guess, that can you grow your game, can you grow your confidence if you don't beat this Leafs team uh, in your last crack at them here? We're confident against any team we play against, Mark. <laughs> okay. Just the idea that, you know, you may have to face this team in the playoffs, and if you give them five in a row against you, how much of an advantage that gives them. So do you do you have that in mind as you – as you enter play tonight, this is more than two points. This is trying to kind of counterpunch against the team you might see down the road. Yeah, we want to beat them tonight. Uh, like I told Spec, we're confident, confident against anyone in this uh, division. Nice. Darnell Nurse, confident. Would you, like, if you were the head coach of a team, would you want anything else out of your defenseman? No, and actually, Leon Drysettle said like almost the same thing too, where he was just like, could, someone asked him if they can beat the Leafs, and he's like, "What? Well, like, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> of course you can beat the Leafs." Like, I think you may see some good performances out of those guys tonight. Yeah, and, and it can piss them off a little bit. The the uh, I brought this up on a podcast in the Edmonton area, or at least a fan of the Oilers, and I just said, "Have you thought of Nurse for Norris?" And at the time. I was. I knew I was just. I know I was kind of pulling a little bit here, and I'm probably yeah. still pulling a little bit here. But he has been unbelievable for the Oilers this year. Yeah, he changes everything for that team in, in the sense that you haven't thought of them as a team with really anyone who can defend first and foremost. They tried to get it with with Larson and the Hall deal, one for one, didn't quite pan out. I think I think Nurse has been that for them. He's, it brings a bit of a physical edge. It's just he's the perfect fit for what that team needs. Pretty good price too. They could get that one-for-one one back now, I think. I think they could do Actually, I never even thought about that. Now yeah. it doesn't look so terrible. Yeah, I did the, uh, I did the uh, last week. I said, hey, Edmonton, if you, want, if you want that deal back, now's the time. Yeah. Uh, you could probably get that deal back. Uh, Darnell Nurse, top five ice time in the league. So is Aaron Ekblad. And it appears as though, Jeff, Jesse Rubinoff, we have an update on Aaron Ekblad. Yeah, just a horrible-looking injury yesterday against the Stars. And reports are now trickling out that Aaron Ekblad, it looks like he will miss the remainder of the season, season and require surgery to repair the injury to his left leg. So you never want to see it. He was having a great year for the Panthers. He was, and the Panthers having a great year. Yeah, Panthers having a great year, too. So that's tough uh, thoughts go out to uh, Aaron Ekblad, for sure, of that injury. Yeah. Uh, and one more also, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Uh, Eric Engels is reporting that he, his name has been removed from the NHL's COVID protocol list. Okay. And Eric Stahl, who's serving, of course, the mandatory quarantine since coming over in the trade, and Yuel Armia remain the only Montreal Canadiens on it. So that's at least a little bit of good news for the Montreal Canadiens, who could certainly use some at the We're moment. Tough week too. for them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Kotkaniemi off the COVID list and Aaron Eckblad, man. Yeah. That did, was it. Did you watch? It's it's, it, it's such a great question because I 
I have a theory on gruesome injuries. Okay. And those who have never suffered any type of tough injury have no idea what you're talking about when you say something like that. Why wouldn't you watch the injury? And anyone who's ever done anything has a, an enormous amount of almost like visceral reaction yeah. to seeing an injury like that. And always, I will watch it once and I will always do the same thing. I'll be like, oh, no, <laughs> no. And I have to watch it the one yeah. time. And I know that every time my reaction will be, oh, son. Yeah, I literally do it through fingers. Like, I will throw up the fingers, and I give, I give myself, because I, I know I have to see it, particularly in sports, because we're going to talk about it in yeah. hockey, so I'll give it the one view, and then I'm done. Like, I suffered a bad one myself. I took a slap shot to the jaw. Um, the two pieces of my jaw moved independently, which I couldn't get a lot of eye contact from people yeah. at that time. Yeah. I found a lot of people averting their glances yeah. from my That's face. That's when you know it's bad. Yeah. When, when people are looking away from you. Yeah. So... <laughs> you get the, is it bad? And people give it the, oh, the, the yeah. baby gag. No, no. No. You're good. You're good. When the trainer comes over and yeah. looks scared, yeah, that's the one where you know that you've suffered some sort of yeah. extreme damage. So you took up a slap shot to the jaw? Or, yeah. Sorry, a yeah. shot to the jaw? Yeah, no, it was a slap shot. Just a nice, clean, untipped slap shot to the jaw. Were you? I have an X screw plate here and a 10 screw plate there. It's, uh, it was bad, man. So where did this transpire? Uh, in Alaska, where you would like to have emergency surgery, because all the best doctors live <laughs> in the far <laughs> Arctic north. That's where... Not good, aren't, man. Aren't there TV shows about that? Anyway. <laughs> so so you're, you're charging a defenseman who's shooting? I'm actually going out of the corner in the offensive end to go screen the goalie. I've passed the puck up to my no, own defenseman your own guy who thought you. I should put this right up under his neck because then it'll... Uh, Screen the goalie with his face, I guess. I don't know what the plan was. was Did he buy you applesauce after? Like, what do you what do you do when you break your own guy's jaw? It was like a, a mediocre bottle of whiskey was left at my house, which I did consume. Um, through the wire? Yeah, through the wires and the wire Kanye. for like two months. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was bad. Anywho. As he was talking, I was thinking like, the, so I broke my leg, tore my ACL, and separated oh. my shoulder, grade 11, 12, and 13. And Come I was like, on. okay, that's a decent injury story. Nope. Not compared to the wired for two months shut. Still, though, no, no wonder you're watching soaps in university. If I broke something every year, I'd stop playing sports, too. Yeah, I, just, I just gave it up completely. Yeah. All right, he mentioned the Habs. Uh, there is tons of hype around Cole Caulfield, and there seems to be much skepticism around the hype of Cole Caulfield. Mm-hmm. Where do you fall around the hype of the signing of Cole Caulfield. You know, I'm pretty good at uh, being the gray guy. Like, it'll be in the middle, but I don't think so. I think guys like him either work out or don't work out. It's kind of like Alex Dabrinkit. Like, it's either going to work like Dabrinkit did and what's he, a 40-goal scorer in the NHL at that size? Yeah. Or you end up someone like Seth Griffith who scores all the time in the minors or one of those guys who just isn't big enough to get where he needs to get. So... Seeing what I've seen from this guy in university at that level, I, my guess is it works. I think he's going to be an NHL star. But I don't think there's any chance he's a 18-goal player in the NHL at any point. He's either a 30-plus guy or right. he's not sticking around. Right, like you can't play him on the fourth line. you got to play him with skill guys. Yeah, you're going to be the guy for the Canadians, and I think he is. Well, easy, everyone. Uh, or, or it just doesn't work, one or the other. Right. It's interesting in these, in these times where you know that they – 
the little guy who had to probably earn the spot on the team now gets the spot and will be allowed to fail at that level. Yeah. Where I don't know, like, 25 years ago that they would have even got the spot on the team. Yeah, that's, like, been a cliche in hockey forever, is that the big yeah. guy has to prove he can't play and the little guy has to prove he can. Right. You're right, it has changed a little bit. The The doors are open, you score enough now, people are a little smarter about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this guy scores, let's give him a shot. Yeah, uh, you look at, listen, the, the, the playoffs are going to be very interesting. Does your view on the Habs change given how condensed the schedule will be to close it out now that we know yeah. that it will kind of be condensed? I think it does. I mean, this year already is just like a war of attrition. So yeah. if you, I think they have to play 25 games in the final 43 days. Is that what it is? Oh, here we go. What is it? 43. Hey, nailed it. That's great. Um so that's that that's impressive. Excessive. Yeah, thank you. That was, thank that's you. that binder paying off. <laughs> yeah, that's Jeff Merrick paying off at, at <laughs> nice. noon. But yeah, no, that's uh, that's too much hockey, too condensed. You go into a playoff series seven games long, particularly for a team who kind of needs everyone. Right? They're going to play a more uh, team defense. You know, they don't have the the Matthews or the McDavid or whoever to go win them hockey games. So that's too much. Uh, at the end of the day, Carey Price can win you a series, but that that's just too much hockey. So twenty five and forty three days is is our like immediately last week I said like this is going to be really tough. Um, is some of that mitigated by the fact that you're playing you know some three game series or a two game series in a city? Would that allow for a little bit more? Because I mean, do the do the math, kids. Like that's not even that's one yeah. game every two days more. Like yeah, no, it is mitigated somewhat not yeah. having the travel. It's just. I, I mean, I've never had to do it. You know, that's a, right. talking about Cole Caulfield. You play a, game, a couple games every week. It's amazing. College hockey is so fast because <laughs> everyone is hyper-rested and 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> that is not the NHL. I, I think we're starting to see some games that are, uh, what's the word, uh, bad right. right now. And I think that there's very, it's possible that by playoffs with teams that speed up, like the pace, how do you sustain it? Right. You know, with, with so much hockey. All right, let's circle back to uh, the Leafs and the Oilers, which you're about to see Hockey Central on coming up. Um, is this important? I mean, I know what Darnell Nurse said. I know what Leon Dreisaitl said. Mm -hmm. But that aside, is it important for the Oilers to show some pushback here? Yeah, but you know what? The, the Leafs have insulated themselves by putting Hutchison in because now they go, wow, we got Hutchin. You know, they can't <laughs> beat us. Do you believe in that? Well, I kind of I do. Yeah. Who was it? Oh, when the Jets were beaten up on the Leafs recently, the, they beat them twice, and then they're like, yeah, you get Brissot for the third game. Right. You didn't get a chance to beat us at full strength. I kind of believe it. I, I like the idea of saying they can't beat us when we're at full power. So, yeah, they, they got a little out here. Um, the one other thing that I want to bring up about the Leafs, and this has been something that's been – Kind of nagging for me, but I, I, I don't know how many other people see it. Do you, do you notice that Tavares and Matthews, or like Matthews has been getting beat up, and I think a lot of people have seen it. Yeah. I think Tavares is also being targeted very hard by opposing teams. Yeah. Is there a point where it's not just up to Simmons or maybe Bogosian? Do, do they need to show a little bit more, mm -hmm. or can they just ride this out and say we're going to outskill everybody? It's a good question. I, I actually have some questions about like referees in general and protecting the stars because there was the recent sort of kerfuffle about just call the rules, right? Right. And, and if Versteeg. That, yeah. Versteeg's been high on this. Yeah. Well, Versteeg, yeah, yeah. He went out there and just uh, he laid it out for everyone. I love that. Yeah. But, you know, if they call the rule book and protect those guys and if McDavid gets protected, we have a better product. The, you know, the more talented teams have more of a chance at it. But this is, this is hockey. And, you know, we had Sheldon Keefe on Hockey Central who basically said – 
is not going to happen. The NHL calls the amount of penalties they do because they want this sort of game. So to your point, they probably do need some pushback at some point. You sh- what do you do? Like who? who- Matthews can't do it for you himself. Go get someone else. Yeah, Marnie, Marner's not going to go stand up for for someone. Gal, Galchenyuk's not going to do it. I just don't know where it comes from, if not from one of those Simmons-y types. Uh, it'll be something to watch, and we'll see if the Oilers try and do it again tonight. Uh, Justin, we're going to talk some Raptors okay. for a little while. Would you go grab a coffee and then come back and do last call with us? I will return. And then we'll put something in the coffee for last call. Thanks. All right. <laughs> up next. On Sportsnet, Hockey Central, ahead of the game we were just talking about. That's right, kids. Leafs and Oilers across the nation. I'll be back in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet 590 The Fan with Matty D. Stick around. He's been around for over a decade since replacing the salami and cheese in 2008. He's become a Canadian citizen, and most recently, the man over my left shoulder called his 1,000th career regular season game. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Matty D. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. The golf clap in studio was rousing, (laughs) but I do want to say Congratulations on 1K. That is unbelievable and great. Well, thank you very much. It, uh, as you well know, you know, so much goes into that, and certainly the people that you work with and work for are key to that. And so I've been very fortunate. Love it. And certainly uh, the Raptors have provided so many amazing moments in the fan base uh, along for the ride. And certainly 2019, you think back to that season, uh, just how memorable it is and was. Matthew, honest here. You can be now. You're one of us. Literally, you're a Canadian. Uh, What did you think when you got the job in Toronto? Like, did you think you were staying long term? Did you think I'm going to the Great White North? When when they said Toronto, you got the job, kid. Come on up here. What were you thinking? Well, you know, as you know, Tim, I have family uh, here in Toronto as well as in Peterborough. Uh, my wife has family here in Toronto. So it wasn't something that was, oh, we're, we're headed there. Uh, I think at, at, at the end of the day, both my wife and I were open to it and open to the experience and open to uh, the city. And we really embraced it. And we did that with our three boys as well it's become home it's our home we're you know very fortunate to call this home and and thankful to call it home as well so uh it's been a remarkable 13 seasons that we've been here and and certainly you know look forward to many more and uh, it's home and so 
you know, I, I think when you come up any new uh, position that you may take, as, as you guys well know, you take the position and you're open to everything, right? And yeah. you're open to see how it all works out. And, and fortunately, uh, it's worked out wonderfully. Is that Leo being loud in the background? Do you know who it is? It's actually Nick Nurse in the background. Oh. It's his presser right now. Understood. Uh, Matty D giving us the time uh, during Nick Nurse's uh, pregame news do conference. You, so do, if, do, if, you wanna, do you want to listen to Nick? <laughs> no, sure? I, I was just going to say, if if Matty talks about Nick's pregame news conference during the broadcast, you know he's full of bleep because he was talking to us. <laughs> Well, you know what? We can roll it back oh, and play a, it back. Son come of a on, technology. Come on. Technology come on. and stuff. Uh, kids today. One kids more today. before one more before the game. Yeah. Um, have you gotten sick of people yelling out, Matty D? <laughs> how can you get sick of that? <laughs> right. Come on. Uh, Tim, how can you get sick of that? Uh, it's I'm, just like everybody's screaming out to you, Tim and friends. <laughs> right. Or or Sid. <laughs> Uh, we keep. By, by the way, yeah. I was just in a washroom here at Scotiabank Arena. Okay, they still have your Tim and Sid ads up. Oh, yeah. Just heads up, Tim and Maybe friends. Work on it. Do you want me to take a sharpie and? Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad. And then you can post it on on uh, one of those uh, social medias, and we'll we'll pick it yeah. up. I don't think they're okay. doing much advertising in stadium though these days. <laughs> I don't think it's going over that well. Unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. Soon, soon. Uh, we keep saying two and fifteen in their last fifteen, and you and I both know Bill Parcells. Uh, you are what your record says you are, but it's been really tough sledding over the last couple of weeks. Like, I, wh- what do you take from the last couple of weeks? The COVID, the the All Star break. Like, it's been tough. It's been tough. I I think that this team had more really kind of things going after the first 10, right? I think yeah. that's who they were, uh, that 15 and 18, 15 and 9 team, and then we know uh, what's happened since. But you are who you are, and, and this is a team that I believe still has the ability to make the postseason. The Raptors have made seven straight. The only other NBA team that has done that made – the postseason in seven consecutive has been Houston. We know that Houston will not. And so they've had some good moments over the course of the last uh, three games. I think that that's certainly something. Can they now just get over the hurdle? I like the fact that you bring in two rotation players in the Norman Powell deal. I think that's important. And then this begins a run prior to the Laker game where you're taking on the Pistons have the worst record granted second night of a back-to-back in the Eastern Conference. OKC is rebuilding. You know, you have Golden State, good, solid team. You know Westbrook and Beal are going to be ready. But yet there's an opportunity here. And with the way things are structured, Tim, Right now in the Eastern Conference, if you have a good week, you can get right back in the mix. And that is really important. But the reality of it is, is that it has been um, unsettling what has happened. And it's understandable given everything that they've had to deal with. Matt Devlin joining us here on Tim and Friends. Uh, Why does Dwayne Casey's Pistons always seem to give this team problems? Is it familiarity? Like, what are they playing for the coach? Because it should be a chippy, at least according to the standings, and every time they seem to play tough. They do. And and I'll say this. You know, Corey Joseph, by the way, is now with the Detroit Pistons. Shout out to Pickering. They do play hard for him. 
and they are in a rebuild. It is not the job that he took three seasons ago when he led them back into the playoffs, went 41 and 41. We know the story of Blake Griffin being bought out, and they have some really good young players on this roster in Detroit. And Dwayne Casey, as we know, building a foundation, who else would you rather have than Coach Casey? And he has done a superb job, and I think that he gets his team ready against the Raptors, and we know the history like it's a game seven. And so, you know, that is ultimately the motivation. I think we go back to uh, when he was here at Scotiabank Arena and we saw his reaction to that game-winning shot at the buzzer, how important that is for him. Shout out Pickering, by the way. Pickering Town Center. Often uh, frequented the Pickering Town Center when I was a kid. Uh, It is a wonderful town center. Um, Kyle Lowry, I'm sure Nick Nurse. Food court. Yeah, food food court. Well, they got the restaurants out in front now of the Pickering Town Center. It's like big time stuff there. I won't give any free advertising out, but they got restaurants out front, big time stuff at the Pickering Town Center. Do they have Mary Brown's? Um, I don't think there's a Mary Brown's. (laughs) Uh, Pickering Town Center, pick up your game, get yourself a Mary Brown's. Uh, I'm sure Nick Nurse is talking about this right now, and maybe you can't hear it because you're too busy talking to, to my sorry ass, but how is Kyle Lowry's foot? From what you hear, will we see him today? Do you know yet? I don't know yet, and he may have addressed that, you know, literally just minutes ago, but I'm more than happy uh, to talk bickering with not him. listen. Yeah, well, no, not to listen to Nick Nurse and, and to talk to you. Uh, but hold on, if you have a second. Leo, Leo, any word on Kyle Lowry? Nothing yet. He says no. nothing yet. Yeah, still from I, ten feet away. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter. I've got producers uh, scouring the back rooms. Still yeah, questionable. Yet. Yes, nothing. That's, which that's, is also another word questionable for nothing yet. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, <laughs> game time decision. Does that game does that give you more? Decision. Yes, game time decision. Kyle Lowry. Hopefully he goes tonight. Look, the Toronto Raptors, as we know, they got to rebound the basketball. They got to play better D. They put up 74 points in the first half last night. Tim, as you know, they scored just 10 in the third quarter. They got to get that going a little bit. But this team can do it. And it's just now putting things together despite the obstacles that have uh, been in front of them over the course of the last three weeks. Uh, was it odd watching Norman Powell uh, line up on the wrong side of the court? Uh, <laughs> it wasn't odd to see him line up on this, uh, the, yeah. the wrong side. The rest which of was, it was odd? In his, it, the re- yes, correct. The rest of it was a little bit odd, and you could tell he was a little bit nervous. And he goes, oh, 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 oh I'm over here. Um, and I'm sure he wanted to play better than he did last night. His team did get the win. He did have a steal um, in that slam dunk. Um uh, got to the line, missed a couple free throws, but able to come back and to make a couple. And I think that that's a great fit for him. And ultimately he's going to opt out of a contract that's going to pay him over 11 million for next season. And he's going to get, uh, he's going to get uh, more than likely 20 plus million, uh, which is awesome for him and really happy uh, for him. And I'm just receiving an update as we speak uh, from Leo Routon's Canadian basketball legend. Correct. Uh, that same um, Breaking, breaking news, news as that. he said. Yeah. You heard that. Um, breaking news. Kyle Lowry 
active. Oh, active. Look at Leo routing. Leo delivering. I, you know, I didn't remember him as much of a passer, uh, Matt, but that was an assist. <laughs> well, you you know what's funny? I got a great. Do you have? Do we have a second yeah, here for a great got, story? Uh, one minute fifty uh, seconds. Okay, I'm going to do it really short. Okay, and you may have heard that me tell this story before, but I remember talking to Jay Billis, and Jay Billis mm-hmm. joined a team that Leo Routens played for in Italy. Right. Okay. And they were the two Americans or North Americans, I should say, on the team. And so, you know, they're having a conversation. Leo said, hey, look, at, don't worry. I'm taking care of you tonight. You get open. I'm going to feed you the ball all night long. And Jay Billis said, hey, thank you very much. The whole thing. Story goes on. I said, well, Jay, how many did you end up scoring that night? He said, I didn't score anything that night. I said, well, Leo said that he was going to find you and hook you up for big he said Leo had 44 points that night. <laughs> <laughs> he said Leo took the shot every single time. And Jay Billis said, you know, and I, he goes, he didn't even miss. I didn't even have any rebounds. Right. Uh, one assist for Leo. It is Kyle Lowry active for tonight's game. I don't know if he had any assists for uh, – Benetton Treviso. I don't know what Italian team it was, but I'm just throwing out there. Right I don't. Now. I don't. Uh, yeah, but that's good. That's good that you came up with that. <laughs> Thank you. Sounds good. Uh, always appreciate you stopping by. And again, listen, uh, we are spoiled by some really good play-by-play folks in this city. You are one of them. I hope people appreciate that. Congrats again on a thousand career regular season games. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It has uh, been an honor to. Uh, be behind the mic for the Toronto Raptors and love doing it and always enjoy coming on and talking hoops with you and appreciate your passion for the game. Thanks, Matty D. And by the way, Pickering Town Center in the east side, Mario's, a Jack Astor's, a Moxie's, a Pickle Barrel, the Spin Dessert Cafe and Bistro, and a state in Maine. So they don't, they, they haven't quite got there. Mary Brown's is yeah. coming. A big three. Let's they need go. a big three. Thank you, Matty. Three. See ya. <laughs> there is uh, Matt Devlin, play-by-play, and Leo Routens with the assist. Play-by-play voices of the York Toronto Raptors, which you can see. Take on the Pistons tonight, Sportsnet 1 and Sportsnet 590, the fan. We'll see if Justin Bourne is still around. Actually, he's sitting right there and was very, yeah, he was, he was kind of nice. He just sat through the segment and was awesome. So he'll rejoin us for last call. Next, on Tim and Friends. Welcome back. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to a a couple of Canadian women doing big things in the NCAA tournament. Sunday, Mississauga's Letitia Amihair had 15.7 rebounds in South Carolina's win over Georgia Tech to advance to the Elite Eight, while Kingston Aaliyah Edwards continues to dominate. She is just evolving right now. 18 points on 9 of 11 shooting in the Huskies' win over Iowa. She has scored at least 17 points in all three tournament games for UConn and is shooting 85% from the field. Not from the line, from the field. UConn plays Baylor tonight looking for a spot in their 13th straight Final Four. It's unbelievable. It's pretty good. You know, I know someone who bet against UConn women in a game recently, and she works for Sportsnet. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, and her name's Carolyn Cameron. <laughs> Didn't go well. <laughs> no, never no. does. Never does. Not even with a line? Was it a line, or was it a money line? I don't want to throw her too far under the bus, but I think it was just a straight up. Oh, that's yeah. a tough it one. It pays huh? well. It pays well if you hit it. It's like uh, betting on the Cayman Islands to beat Canada in uh, our senior men's national <laughs> 
I know uh, all about that. Yes, yeah. qualifying soccer going on in Orlando right now. Canada was supposed to play Cayman Islands yesterday. Uh, got postponed till today as they had inconclusive COVID tests. Right now, 5 nothing Canada, and they are approaching halftime. So Canada looking good versus the Cayman Islands, at least. And it'll be Haiti, and then it'll be on. We'll see if they can get past Haiti. Haiti will be the big one, I think. But they've got to knock down who's in front of you, right? You can only beat who you play. Right. Well, that's who they're beating. Came in Islands 5 nothing. Uh, we bring Jesse Rubinoff back into the equation for a little last call here. Yeah, so uh, Justin was telling us a story about when he took a clapper to the face. Yes. <laughs> uh, we have a talented team here at Tim and Friends, and we did yeah. some digging. So why don't we have a look at a little bit of the photo evidence no. from taking oh. the clapper oh, to the you face? want to see this? Hold on. <laughs> it's like we asked him before? I don't control no, no, when fine. the computer shows up on the screen, okay? <laughs> this is like... Look at that. You can see the shape of the puck. Relive trauma. There's three yeah. more. Do you want to talk us through uh, a couple of these pictures? There's <laughs> yes. three. three more. Yeah, the, okay, um, for if someone was... Look, look at the bruising. It goes all the way down your neck to your So that's chest. the puck mark for yeah. Sermon right there. Yeah, you can read, was it made in Slovakia on my <laughs> jawline there? Why are all pucks made in Slovakia? That's a great know. point. It's the only place you can get a puck <laughs> yeah. is Slovakia. Oh, and, then, oh, yeah. and then I don't want to say these words, but like it got infected. And there's my face. I look like quagmire. And then look at that little hot pocket on the right. It's glowing red. That's how the infection is doing. That's when they had to go in after and remove bone. What oh, else were we talking man. about today? Oh, my God. Oh, sorry to contribute to reliving the trauma like that. Yeah. I feel bad so, now. Do you, like, do you look at it as, so when I was younger, I used to look at my injuries as, like, this badge of honor. Like, you don't yeah. get injuries if you don't do anything. And then I re- realized that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I never wanted to have my thumbs go like this. Oh, like, no. it's not, you shouldn't have this, right? No. Or this. <laughs> or, yeah. Like, yeah, you just shouldn't you're have, or have your fingers go like this. <laughs> And do the hove thing where they spread apart, but that's yeah. a receiver's window right there. That's all you need. You know, so that yeah, you goes can catch together. A ball. Yeah. No, I, I do. I'm a little bit proud of having persevered. Yeah. Although, let's be, it was all, it's all a Percocet haze those days. Like I barely remember. I, uh, much of it. I, so I grew up in a hockey family, mm-hmm. and I heard a story, and this is similar to this one. But uh, a friend of the family who played, his dad played with my dad, brothers played with my brothers. And uh, he suffered a broken orbital bone and played with the broken orbital orbital bone with a visor on. And he was a defenseman in front of the net. Someone shoved him, and before he even could do anything, the guy sucker punched him, hit him in the broken orbital bone, and the uh, eye fell behind. What oh, do no. you mean? What yeah. are we doing here? <laughs> so I had heard that one, and then it became the it was shattered and. The orbital bone is basically all metal now, like your jaw, which define which. At that point, can the guy see his own brain? Is that is everything attached? <laughs> I, I think it's like you, where it's just a haze at yeah. that. And I remember him tell. I was probably 16 at this point, still full cage in my life, and yeah. thinking, you know what? I'm good that I'm crap at hockey. I'm, I'm gonna leave the cage on, <laughs> yeah. even off the rink, yeah. for the rest of my life. At I that play point. men's league, and there's those tough guys in the league. They're like, "Why are you wearing a full cage, buddy?" Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to hear the story about an orbital bone? Now I got yeah. another one. You want to hear the story about Justin Bourne's jaw? <laughs> That's why I have a cage on. I'm gonna come on air wearing a full cage next time I do the show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. I sidetracked that on oh, disgusting. That's too good. Okay. Yeah. I just uh, didn't want Justin to feel alone in yeah. his misery of, of the moment of but I, I'm with right. you. You know what? You persevered. Did you play after that? 
Never again. Not a joke. That was my last pro hockey game. That was game. your last yeah. pro hockey game. Yeah. Uh, no, Tim, I, I quit. Oh. <laughs> 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 And rightfully so, <laughs> yeah. Justin yes. Bourne, yeah. and rightfully Thank so. You. you know what? I'll work in the media. <laughs> Thank you. Love, peace, and hair grease. Okay. <laughs> so let's go do uh, some March Madness. We were talking about you the women You persevered through the pain, okay? <laughs> right. right. It's worked out. Um, the Elite Eight is uh, getting underway in the men's NCAA tournament tonight. Oregon State looks to continue its Cinderella run as they take on Houston, and Baylor looks to advance to the Final Four for the first time since 1950. As they face Arkansas, there are, of course, plenty of differences with this year's tourney. But, Tim, do you like the Saturday to Tuesday format for the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight? Uh, it means more work for me on this show, so not really, um, because it will have taken place over the weekend. But I do, I feel like, I feel like it, it might be something that they actually stick to. Like, I feel like this is something that could go for the NCAA where you have the runway yeah. of Monday and Tuesday to continue with. I, I, I don't really care because I'll watch them anyway. It's That's nice after at. a work day, you know, getting to go home and watch college basketball. Yeah, but usually the NBA would schedule with them and set it up so they kind of have a light schedule. Yeah. All right. But not this year. Uh, from NCAA basketball to NCAA hockey, Minnesota Duluth and North Dakota played the longest game in NCAA tournament History on Saturday night, Minnesota Duluth won 3-2 in the fifth overtime to advance to their fourth straight Frozen Four. Total time of the game was 142 minutes and 13 seconds. Justin, what's mm. the longest game you ever played in? This is vaguely redeeming for me, actually, because that uh, the season before in the ECHL, we went to triple overtime and I scored the OT winner. There you go. Back in a big way. <laughs> By the way, if you're that goalie in North Dakota, like you just wish, I don't know if you saw, but it, the game ended on a goal by Duluth, got called off because it was offside, and then he lets in the squeaker in the fifth OT. You just wish the first one stood. <laughs> you just wish you didn't have I didn't to go know where you were going there. Yeah. I thought you were going to have the empathy for the goalie <laughs> no, letting in the squeaker, no. but yeah, you do. I agree with you. Uh, so March football for you from the NAIA. Arizona Christian University won the Sooner Athletic Conference title Saturday thanks to kicker Nestor Iguera hitting a last-second game-winning 46-yard oh, field dude. goal. Iguera is yes. five foot five and weighs 285 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. That's he awesome. went 37 for 39 on extra points this season <laughs> and seven for 10 on field goals. Tim, have you seen a more impressive performance from a big fella? Sorry, he's 5'5", 285? <laughs> uh, that is, that's among the best that I've seen. I will say this, uh, last year, uh, Makai Becton, who is 360 pounds, ran a 5'140". I don't know how that's man. possible. Um, that, to me, is among the, like, since Sixero, look at this, I ran a 5'140", and I thought I was a decent football player, and I was probably 185. I just, <laughs> I really want to comment on the picture of that guy, but I feel like it's not going to end well. If you say anything, yeah. it's he's a large man. He is a rather rotund man, um, and I understand where you're at. Uh, listen, I appreciate you doing this and persevering through. <laughs> 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 I won't quit on you, man. No. As long as no one hits me in the face, I'm well, here. That is among the worst that I have seen. Thank you for doing this, though. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, Jesse, thank thanks, you, Tim. as always. And thank you, as always. That does it for us. Back tomorrow with the Tuesday Roundtable and plenty more. Have a wonderful night, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Probably a little less gruesome tomorrow. <laughs> I hope so. Probably. <laughs>